Did you watch the uh, Tour de France route presentation? Bits of it, not all of it. <laughs> so I watched the actual presentation itself of what the course was to work out where it was going to go um, and then flicked it off. I think I was watching Netflix, so I just flicked across and then back on again. Mm, cousin Jonas looked like a Bond villain. He did. Yes, he did. <laughs> like Le, Le Chiffre, I think his name is. Um, episode 66 of The Wheelhouse, I'm Catherine Bates. And this week, special guest, Scott McGrory. Welcome back into the bunker. Thank you. Thank you. It's, yeah. um, you've been busy it's been very busy. Somewhat, somewhat. Not overly busy, but yeah, I had the National Road Series Cycle Sunshine Coast last week, so I was up there doing that. I've got Tour of Tassie coming up, and I know we're going to talk about the National Road Series later on the show, so we'll get into that later. Yes, well, we have a lot happening yeah. over in France, Scott, so we yeah. need to hop on the private jet, the wheelhouse <laughs> private jet, head over to Paris, um, check some of that out. Let's start with the Tour de France announcement. Let's start with Tour de France Femme. Can we really call it... A Tour de France when it's eight stages over seven days. Um, four of the stages aren't even in France, mm. and the others they skirt a very fine line on the uh, northeastern corner of France. Yeah, it'll be interesting how this develops over the years because if they keep doing this, then they I think they'll end up adding more days to just have more of it in France itself. But yeah, look, starting in the Netherlands, Rotterdam, then. And very early on, because they go to Falkenberg and then to Liège, so there's the chance to have some real GC deciding days very early on, knowing that they will be finishing on Alpe d'Huez, which is so cool. That is so good that they get to finish up um, Alpe d'Huez for the ladies. But there's going to be so much going on before that. Crosswinds, perhaps, in the Netherlands, and then those climbs through Valkenburg and into uh, Liège. Yeah, yeah it's, it paints a quite a nice story, actually. I think we'll see the yellow jersey, the first one taken by a sprinter. Mm. It's like pancake flat, like yeah. you said, in the wind around um, Rotterdam. Good for the uh, the hometowners. Demi Vollering, it's like her stomping grounds. Yeah, yeah. As if she needed any more advantage. <laughs> or Vibes as well. for sure. Yep, Capecchi. I know. I mean, Belgium. this is kind of a natural fit for them. Capecchi, we'll talk about that, but... There's a really interesting feature, Scott. Mm. Stage two and stage three are on the same day. That's old school. It is. That's isn't really it? old school. That's so the point we did in like yeah. junior tours where you'd mm. have to back up. Well, the, so I mentioned Tour of Tasmania is coming up in a, in a week or so. If you go way back before my time, they used to have three stages in a day, and there are stories of riders, the peloton lining up for the next stage as riders are still coming in and going straight <laughs> onto the peloton and running out again. How much chance do you think they had to get through the next stage Hold with the on, peloton? three? How do you three. do three in a day? Yeah, like, just short, short stages. Right. But. Well, so here we've got a road race and a time trial. Mm. It's not uncommon in a tour to have like a criterium and a road race yeah, yeah, in the true. same day. Yeah. They're brutal though. Oh, I hated double stage days. Is it really Tour de france to have a double stage? I mean... Here you go. Flat out, I'll ask. Would they do this to the fellas? Would they put a double day on for them? No. So no. why the women? No, they wouldn't. And and the well, it's one of the something else that has changed, I guess, mainly with the men's race is the time trials used to be so much longer that you would never think about having a short enough time trial to then have a second stage on that day. Uh, so clearly, the the women's time trial isn't that long, which is why they're going to double up. But is it necessary? Why not give them a little bit longer? Yeah, I'd like I'd like to know a bit more about the thinking behind some of these decisions and and what they were because look we've been in this situation me as a race director these are the sorts of decisions that I'm making all the time you know thinking about the field and the depth of the field and how long the stages will be where do we finish where do we start 
And they've gone through this whole process as well and decided to go back to the 1970s and just (laughs) cut and paste from back then. Okay, we're going to talk about that in relation to the men's because they're also going back. They've got gravel in there. It's a little bit of a mess, I reckon. I mean, I know that, Scott, I'm supposed to be super excited about the announcement, like the course announcement, because that's what most cycling fans are. But I just want to delve a little bit deeper into it. Uh, For the women's, before we move on, a lot of Capecchi wearing the rainbow jersey, a high chance we won't even see her on the start line because of a scheduling issue, not more. Yeah, yeah. So the the track program uh, for the Paris Olympic Games finishes the day before the start of the women's tour and she has the Omnium, so four, the Omnium, four disciplines within the one event. So she has a big program the day before then would have to get on a plane, fly to Rotterdam to get ready for the start the next day. So it's possible, and I, I think it's probable, she'll probably do that. But it's not like these events were just decided a couple of weeks ago. You know, they knew when the schedule for the the the, uh, the Olympic the Olympics was going to be. Yet I think what they've thought about is really when does the road race finish? There's plenty of time between the road race and the Tour de, Tour de Femme, but not the track. And a rider like Lotte Capecchi will want to do both. Well, and even from a media perspective, mm. I mean, we'll be commentating on the Olympics uh, and on these events. If somebody said to you, Scott, oh, and then get on a plane, you've got to be in Rotterdam the next mm. morning to do it. You'd almost think that's how is that even going to happen? I looked mm. it up 2.15 p.m., is when it's meant to finish yeah. in Paris for Lotte Capecchi. Presentation, drug control. Imagine you win a gold medal and you go to you go to drug control mm. and then you go straight to the airport. Kind of, oh, I don't know. Takes a bit away. Now, I, does, as a commentator, I'd do it because I just ask for a bit more money. <laughs> so I'll do anything for money, not a problem. Do they fly you up the pointy end of the plane? Uh, I need well, to get still, onto HR. Still that's, negotiating. That's, still yeah, negotiating. righto. Maybe you can negotiate mine for me. Could be on a boat, <laughs> cargo ship from Australia across to uh, to France. Take all the bikes. Mm. You're going to have to pack your gravel bike if you're going to watch the men's Tour de France. Mm-hmm. They have thrown a 32 kilometre gravel section into Stage Nine. There's a few not happy Jans. Yeah, how good is this for everyone other than the riders and the teams? <laughs> well, you know who it's good for. Uh, the people watching yeah, because uh, entertainment yeah. value, like SBS would be rubbing their hands together going, oh, this is going to be something that people want to tune in and watch. But yeah. is that like the accidents play on all the news channels, but the victories don't? Like, is that what people are going to want to tune in for if, because it's a disaster waiting yeah. to happen? Well, with the news, it's if it bleeds, it leads, doesn't it? So lead story oh, will be the gutsiest what one. What a terrible saying. Yeah. It's, well, Classy, but yeah, okay. <laughs> that I, I think... Um, and yeah, as spectators, and, and I've I've gone through this conversation before when they've had lots of cobblestones. We had that last year, so yep, fantastic. It's all very spectacular, and the the gravel for me, like the cobbles have been around forever. So Paris Roubaix is such a great event. So you can argue that look, they probably have more of a place than actual gravel itself. Mm. Because the whole point of gravel is all the roads used to be gravel until we got advanced. Okay, and then we started to pave all the roads. Now we we're still not racing chariots. That's a thing of the past as well. I don't understand why we're going back on the gravel. Now hear me out, because as a spectator, this is it's contentious. Going to be great. And gravels, I don't. I mean, get with the cool kids, Scott. Like I don't know if you've seen Valtteri Bottas and Tiff Cromwell and their announcement. I mean, mm. he got in some budgie smugglers mm. um, to announce it. Gravel's cool. 
yeah, gravel's cool, and it's from back in the day. So, look, my point is so back in your day, back in well, even before my day. So, my point really is that that if we're modernising the sport all the time, it's going forward and and being more modernised, bigger budgets, riders are getting paid a lot more money. Now, if I was a sponsor. And most spectators don't care about this. They just want to see good entertainment. And I get that. So do I. But if I was a sponsor of a large team and putting all that money and all that investment into my riders, I wouldn't want to see all of that fall away because someone had a puncher and they the team car couldn't get to them. Now, they puncher on normal roads, yeah. but the chances of crashes and punches on gravel is far greater than on normal road racing conditions. Yeah. So I kind of – I just don't think it's – I don't think it's of this day and age. I just don't think we need it. There are enough good roads out there. Ah, uh, Merxy? Jonas is shitting himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, word, the words he used, um, Merxy, is it will be a new experience. He said he has to go out and buy a gravel bike just oh. to start riding some gravel now to get used to it, yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah, which look, they're not going to race gravel bikes in this and this is the other compromise. It's not a gravel race. It's only 35 kilometers within the entire stage. Mm. So what equipment do you choose? Merci. Did you see Jonas riding no hands when he won the tour? Uh no, is that it's because he funny. can't? Can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a great point, Merxy, because what if it affects the outcome of the tour? Because mm. riders like Jonas it's just he signed up to be a professional road racer, not a gravel racer. So gravel's cool and the spectators love it, but it's not really staying in the lane. Now, is that fair game because if you're in the Tour de France, you need to up your skill or is it like, come on now, let road riders be road riders? Yeah, that's, that is the conversation isn't it? because it's all about being an all-rounder, and Pogaccio is going to be fantastic on the gravel, you know, as will Wal van Aert and, and several others. But And Mathieu. Mathieu van der Poel, yeah. Now, not GC guys, Walt or, or Mathieu, but for Pogaccio, yeah, he'll be embracing this. Yet he could crash out as, as well, just like anyone else, or get a puncher, just like anyone else. So I just don't know what this push is for more extreme. You know, they're trying to make it more Red Bull cycling than mm. actual traditional Tour de France. And there's enough cool stuff out there for it still to be relevant without having to throw the gravel in there. And as I said, if I was putting $20, $30 million into a team, I wouldn't want this element of risk that they're throwing in. Good point. Now, Mm. there's over 3,000 kilometres of racing and we're honing in on 32 kilometres of it. Um, Let's talk about some other stuff because Cav, on his social media, uh, he wrote, Je suis fatigué. I'm tired. Just looking at the course, yeah. he came out with that comment. Is there enough spr- early on sprint stages for him to break the record? And uh, McGorry, I'm going to put it out there just as like a preempt. You don't even care if he doesn't, do you? <laughs> well, look, you know, we know Cav, right? So we're friends with Cav. So we'll put that out there to start with. However, um, is he tired just because he needs a nap because he's so old now in the afternoons? Ooh, snap. Or, or is he much younger than me? Um, no, I'm happy with – I'm actually quite content with where it sits now, that he is equal with Eddie Merckx because we're not comparing apples with apples here. Right? So if he breaks Eddie's record next year, good luck to him. be fantastic if he does. But if he does do that, it's not like he's now got he's, – he's, consolidate himself as the greatest sprinter of all time because he's beaten the previous greatest sprinter of all time in Eddie Merckx. Eddie wasn't that. 
Eddie won the tour five times. He was winning time trials. He was winning Milan San Remo seven times, three world championships. It's not apples for, and apples. So I'm okay with um, it staying as it is, that Cav is the greatest sprinter we've ever yeah. seen. He gets to share that Tour de France stage win record with the greatest rider of all time because the the, the people that don't really know the sport will just see this and say, oh, Cav must have been better than Eddie Merckx. Well, it's not the case. Okay, that's clearly not the case. Unless sprinting. Unless pure sprinting. But then yeah. Eddie did win some sprint stages as well, just to show how good he was. Mm, well, we are going to talk about the uh, Velon d'Or later in terms of uh, putting riders against each other to try and decide mm. who's better and who's not. Uh, if we look at where it starts, also not in France, mm. um, it's starting in Italy, in Florence. Yeah, it's um, all money. That's just money. They're going to pay tribute to Gino Bartoli. Of course, we know yeah. his wonderful story, um, which is wonderful. We'll get some beautiful scenery along the Adriatic coast. Mm. Love it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what a lot of the tour is about for the fans, right? Yeah. The yeah. beautiful scenery. Now, one little uh, sub-note, Scott, that I noticed, they've changed the time bonuses. So oh. in the stages for the, for the uh, intermediate sprints, it's now eight seconds to win an intermediate sprint, then five, then two. Mm. Do you think that's going to materially change anything? So 10 seconds to no. win, eight well, seconds to... I say no. First thing I said was no. But you think about, okay, last year's tour or this year's tour, it was a comfortable win in terms of time. Uh, between Jonas and Tade. However, we know that Tade had the broken wrist before he came in, so it might have been closer than that. Um, and in more recent times, it's been pretty tight. You know, sort of, if you go back to Cadell, I'm sure he would have liked a few more bonus seconds that he could have picked up to maybe get a tour win or so. It'll be interesting. Like, I don't think it'll play that much of a role. I think the gaps are big enough that the time bonuses, and, and typically, you know, typically most of those intermediate sprints get taken away, so like on the road, obviously by the, the pure sprinters and all the green jersey contenders and on the stage finishes, um, there's enough There's enough climbs, there's enough time trials to make the real difference. Yeah. Mm. So why do you think they bothered then? I mean, if it's not going to make a material difference. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know. I, I don't mean, know. potentially because they're looking at the big four. They haven't really had four in contention like they could potentially if Avenipool, Vingago... Yeah. Pogacar and Roglic all run up, all line up on separate teams. Chasing points, chasing time bonuses, chasing stage It could wins. be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. wouldn't that be That'd be um, cool. Inter- that'd be pretty cool. Um, now, Merksy is uh, very patient with me, oh. Scott. and uh, he Just he, today or in general? Oh, no, I would say in general. Oh. Um, but he has allowed me to continue another week with my wonderful segment, uh, which I like to call The Wheel of Misfortune. Mm-hmm. Catchy jingle? Yeah. Yeah, yeah catchy. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> so while we're in France, um, this week on Wheel of Misfortune, a video has gone viral um, on the TikTok. It's what the youths use. On the internet. <laughs> on the internet. on the World Wide Webses. Uh, about an incident ostensibly at the Tour de France back in 1997. Mm-hmm. Now, we've seen some incidents play out at the Tour. We've seen the sign the Omi Opie sign. Um, Lance Armstrong got taken out by a handbag, remember, on the climb. Um, I believe Eddie Merckx got punched um, when he was out there. But in 1997, some horses ran into the bunch. Do you you remember this? I do, I do. Um, uh, Australian Neil Stevens was actually in the front of the peloton when they went through there. He was in a safe position. But uh, can you imagine how 
the, the fear that would have gone through the second half oh. of the peloton because the front half all sort of got through before the horse got onto the road. But the second half with a massive beast like that, with horseshoes on the road, <laughs> with, sliding yes. down, you know, ice skating down the road, um, that could have been really bad. And we've seen lots of dogs come onto into the peloton and, and cause crashes, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, the horse that would have that would have been really. He nasty. actually jumped a fence, so I think that that's you mm. know he he wasn't a quitter. He jumped a fence. He actually ran alongside and in the bunch for a while. Well, I mentioned chariot racing so, before, and and perhaps that um that horse was wanting to get it very get on brand. You think yeah, so? Yeah. That's our wheel of misfortune this week. But I have to say the super sleuths on the internet. Uh, they have proved us wrong. It's not actually the Tour de France. It was the Criterium International. Ah, oh, okay. Merxy. Demi Vollering had a horse. Oh, yes. Run at, onto the road. At Strada Bianchi. Yeah, Strada Bianchi. It chased her. Oh, that was mm. a really good... <laughs> yes, should, I, should be more of it. More gravel was, and more horses. There were, there were some mm. good horse puns. There could be a stage. Like, time. do a split day stage where one is equestrian. So time trial in the morning, equestrian show jumping in the afternoon. Oh, kind of like the uh, decathlon. Yes. Yeah. Well, because if, if well the the modern pentathlon, uh, Kate, I, I shall correct you. Be, oh, me right, being the yes. expert in that particular discipline, having yes. commentated it before. Um, <laughs> but you get time penalties if you knock off, knock the um, I don't know what they even call them. I'm that much of an ex- expert. <laughs> the jump. If you knock them over, then right. you get a time penalty. Pole. Yeah. So that could go to your overall classification. Oh, the GC. right. Excellent. Take the off, taking your time. Add add time to it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll add that to the idea pot. Fencing, you can float it fencing. with ASO. Maybe yeah. maybe the lance. He could do cycling with the lance. It's all very gladiator-like. Is <laughs> well, that's what they want. They want blood. They yeah, want blood. They can get take it if it they want it. back to the Colosseum. Uh, while we are on all things French, mm-hmm. before we get on our jet and, and hop back to Brizzy, uh, Garrett Thomas, he's back for another two years with Ineos. Uh, cash grab or legit contender? Oh, I think, think I think it's both. I think... Um, They've got the money. He's getting paid very well at the moment. So why not continue? They reckon up to five million bucks, Aussie, yep. Aussie bucks. Yep. And a even year. if they, even if they said, look, we're not going to give you that amount, and they, let's let's just knock it off. Let's just you know trim trim the, the hedges and go down to four million a year. There's another eight million bucks in the pocket before he retires. Mm. So why not? Now, as Merxy did point out before we started recording, he was second at the Giro this year. So he's still a contender. But I don't think they're employing him at his age now, thinking he's going to win one of those big ones. So I think it's both. He he genuinely thinks he's still got another shot. Um, I, I hope he does because I, I like G. He's a great guy. I just don't think he, he's going to beat any of these younger guys. So a bit of a cash grab before he retires. Well done. Merckx mm, is an optimist. Mm. Um, we had a lot of these conversations about uh, Peter Sagan and... Um, you know, yeah. will he, won't he win another stage? Yeah, um, no, he's going to. He, so you're saying Merxy thinks that Peter's going to win the um, <laughs> Olympic mountain bike next year? Oh, Merxy? Well, if he doesn't get a puncture. Uh, if he, yes. Do you remember? Double puncture last the time. The double puncture last two, time. Yeah. I remember it because um, I'd been thrown into the commentary with you at the last moment. Mm. And uh, I said that his skills weren't amazing and he was likely going to get a puncture and I got a lot of internet hate and then he got a double puncture and yeah. I felt quite vindicated. And it was because of the lack of skills. Yeah, because they were pinch flat. Sounds terrible, doesn't it? Because he was hitting yeah. the rock so hard because yeah. it was a particularly rocky course. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You were spot on. I spot won't on. say I'm a mountain bike expert, but I... Hmm. 
I was a Peter Sagan expert at that point. How about, though, with Peter... So for those of you who don't remember, this is 2016 Olympic Games. The road race was reportedly to be too difficult for him. As, as, and as a sprinter type, his climbing was very good. So he chose to do the mountain bike race instead, which is where he started, and didn't do the road race. And then Greg Van Avermaet, who Peter climbs better than typically, went on to win the gold medal in the road race. Peter must have enormous regret for making that decision to not do the road race that year, I think. I think so too. Yeah. I think so. Um, Merxy, uh, you won't see him in the Tour de France next year, but he did attend both the Giro and the Tour route announcements. Um, and he did say something interesting on social media. He said, unfortunately, uh, I won't be racing it next year. And I thought, you're the one that retired, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, let's be honest, he, he was... He wasn't really racing it this year. He was in it. Ooh, snap. You've got, you're, you're harsh. You've got your harsh pants on today. <laughs> oh, and, and this is, you know, with, with complete respect, the guy was, he's an absolute superstar, but we just saw he just wasn't competitive by his standards, which were so lofty for so long. Mm. Um, so, yeah, look, you know, again, he was getting paid an enormous amount of money from both his team and Specialised. Uh, so... You know, why not milk it for as long as you can? Oh, I agree. And I think that there's a certain overlap with Garrett Thomas, although Garrett's still at a higher level. Mm. But, you know, he runs this little podcast, Scott. I don't know if you've heard about it. Yeah, but yeah. I, yeah. I actually think he's greater for Ineos than simply what he brings to the bike. Like, I think he's now a big mm. personality and he brings a lot of funding in the same way Sargon brought a lot of individual funding. I think that yeah. it's a similar case for. Yeah. For G over at Ineos. Well, he because he is very well liked as well. Okay, so there's a big fan base for G. And remember, this team Ineos was the Team Sky that everybody wanted to hate. They loved to hate in, uh, Team Sky in particular. Then it became Ineos. So to have a guy like G there, um, two two things there. People like G, so they're not going to hate on the team while he's their main guy. <laughs> um, and Jumbo Jumbo Visma has gone to be the bigger of the two teams so people aren't hating on Ineos like they used to when they were Team Sky you know the Sky bots just controlling all the races and winning everything they don't do that anymore so the haters, hatred has perhaps gone across to um, well potentially to Yumbo Yumbo Lisa bike now is it? ah oh, Lisa yes. bike yeah. yeah but then you've got someone like Wout Van Aert in there that everybody Ooh, loves I'm gonna so hit we can't my, hate on them I'm going to hit my gavel there I I have a swear jar for every time I mention Wout oh so what, what? Since you're on the other side today, I'm going to give it to you. Well, no, he's just one of my favourite riders. Let's yep. say that. Um, while we're talking about new team names, Jayco Alula for the women are now going to live Alula. Hmm. Um, so that's excellent news for them. Now back to Yumbo, Yumbo Lisa Bike. They have announced that they are using um, Yako Vaharan as a coach. A consulting coach. If the name sounds familiar, that is because he ran high performance swimming in Australia from 2012 to 2020. He created an incredible product with the swimming mm. athletes, great culture. Um, he left in 2020, but left a bit of a legacy behind him. He's going over to Yumbo now. He said that he doesn't know a lot about cycling. He's going to look into it but that he will give his advice and they can take it or leave it. It seems to me like they're just looking for some alternate views on things. What do you reckon? Did Australia miss a trick by letting him out of the country? Time will tell, but it seems to be the case. Yeah, it seems to be the case. Now, the, the name 
suggests that um, you know he may not have been born and bred in Australia. No, he's Dutch. He is Dutch. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so it was yeah. an easy get, I, I, I suppose, because yeah. he had gone back over. Yeah. He um, um, he orchestrated your yeah, Peter Van den Hoogen band and Inga Bruin, their gold mm. medals uh, for the Netherlands. So I think he's really well respected over there yep. just in the sporting. It's interesting. So Sorry. another name I'll throw up there who does have a more Aussie-sounding name is Tim Kerrison, who was involved in sport here but not cycling and then went to Team Sky and the British program. So behind the scenes, a lot of people don't know of Tim, but behind the scenes with that team, he was doing lots of the high-performance decisions behind uh, and with Dave Brailsford. And Brailsford brought Tim across to do the Kipchoge sub-two-hour marathon run, and they really went through all the marginal gains as to how they could do that and achieved it. So there's another Aussie. Not that um, Yako is an Aussie, but um, there's another person that's either lived here, worked here, or is from here that's not working for us. Mm. Um, and that's always a shame when you hear these these stories. Now, we've still got lots of plenty of good people that are working within our program, but you do beg to ask the question, are we crossing all of our T's mm. and dotting all of our I's? Well, I mean, let, let's see. It'll be interesting to see yeah. um, what, he, what he may bring. I know from my career that I chose to uh, change teams um, on a number of occasions and on each time I gained a lot from the new culture and mm. a new view on things and you know you don't reinvent the wheel but there's certainly different perspectives looking at it mm. and certainly uh, when I first worked with um, some of the Germans I got a big boost because they did things so differently yeah uh, and it just opened my eyes so yeah, very focused know. the Germans that's for sure they, they are I'll throw in another name we're talking about you know Aussies that are elsewhere um, Cameron Meyer Right, so arguably the greatest points race rider of all time, great Madison rider as well. I know that in his last year racing, he reached out to the Australian High Performance Program to say, I will be stopping and I do want to go into coaching. Is there a position? And all he was offered was an under-17s or tr juniors training group in Western Australia, which he then reminded them that the British program have offered him a position within their Olympic program straight to the top. Um, well, say straight to the top within, because he was still within the sport. He knew the riders, he knew the gear ratios, he knew all the tactics. So they wanted to tap into that immediately for their Olympic program. And Australia just had a junior job for him. So he stayed in Europe, um, which he was always wanting to do anyway, not come back to Australia, wanted to stay in Europe. So I don't know. There's a, you know, for me, I, I thought that was a curious decision that we um, potentially had someone that is. Um, extremely good at what he did, but still right within the sport. And we've just allowed him to go straight into the British program. And they have had great success with him. And he's looking after their women's team pursuit program. Ooh. And they've done very, very well. The women's GBTP team are the hot favourites to win gold next year. They've got a great Madison team, which he's good at as well. Omnium also. And um, yeah, there's a Western Australian that's not working for us. Oh, bring him back. It, inside a velodrome, you'll attest to this, it's like... Um, an alumni catch-up, yeah, yeah, you know, because the coach uh, who used to be your cycling colleagues are now often coaching or working with a whole plethora of different nations, mm. uh, and so it's a good it's a good chance to catch up. There's a lot of Aussies there now. Have a think about it. Have a th now, and look, that's not to say we can't have them all, right? There's not enough coaching positions here or enough money to even have them as assistant coaches. But Japan have Jason Niblett. They did have Anthony Peden just there as well. 
Um, Carly McCulloch Carly was McCulloch. in the UK. We've got her back. Yeah. So Cam Myers, I just mentioned. Uh, Shane Sutton was with the Brits, but he's now with China, I think. Uh, Gary Sutton. Gary with Sutton the US. with the US. Um, so yeah, there's there's lots of. I'm pr- pr- sure, I'm missing a couple, but um, oh, John John Beasley with the Malaysians for a, yeah. a long time with them. So yeah, a lot of Aussies out it's there like doing It's like a regular jobs. Australia's Got Talent. Um, now speaking of talent, the Velo Door, which mm. I guess is like the Ballon Door, the football award for the best footballer, is the best cyclist. Mm. This year, it's the best and fairest. Best and fairest. Yeah. Well, is it though? That's we're going to talk about that. It was announced the other night at a very glitzy ceremony. Um, you know, you need to pop on your uh, your suit, top mm. top and tails, yep. all that jazz. Scott. You made the the um, suggestion of a bow tie. I then, did. I think, that's. Didn't you? I was yeah. using my hands. I couldn't get the word. There you go. Bow tie. Pop the yep. bow tie on, because um, we're going to a party in Paris uh, the night before the Tour de France route was announced. So mm. you know everything's happening there. All of the athletes there. It got so much attention because it's the first time they've had an in-person ceremony. So this award has been going on uh, for over 30 years, but it usually just gets announced in the Velo magazine, front cover, and then the debate begins. This time it got thrust into the media uh, because of the way they did it. For the women, Demi Vollering. For the men, Jonas Vingegaard, Hmm. best cyclist of the year. Given points... uh, Here's the interesting bit, though, Scott. The awards voted by, we couldn't even figure out who the judges are, right? But they say a panel of journalists Mm. who allocate points on a criteria that we couldn't get our hands on. A little bit secret squirrel. Are we happy with the outcomes here? I mean, Demi Vollering's hard to argue with, but Jonas... Do we think Vingegaard is really the top male road cyclist of the year? Yeah, it's interesting. Look, and we spent, uh, oh, look, I think at least two minutes and 12 seconds searching for the criteria (laughs) around this one. and Three minutes, I reckon. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, collective, collectively. So, look, Demi, yeah, it's a given, okay? I I think, you know, she has been the outstanding female rider. Um, Lotta Kopecky. Chuck her in the mix as well, definitely, especially if you definitely. want to combine the track. Well, she got a best and fairest. I mean, she got a sub award. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, are they looking purely at road? Are they going to throw some of the track stuff in as well? Because that's when a lot of steps up. With Jonas, are we just saying whoever wins the tour is the best rider in the year? Look, I would say you've got Matthew van der Poel for sure in the mix, and you've also got today Pogaccia. Okay, he was second at the tour, but also won Flanders and Il Lombardia. Top and tailed the season with classics wins, and ran second at the tour after breaking his wrist and having an interrupted preparation. Pretty darn good, um, and he's in, he's very entertaining. He's always in the mix. He's won lots of races this year. I would have thrown it towards today, but they didn't. Merksy. Oh, sorry to interrupt. I tell you who doesn't think Jonas should have got it. Peter Sagan? No. Jules <laughs> Gilbert on Twitter. Oh. Thinks it's oh. a joke. Yes, he was cranky, wasn't he? He thinks Vanderpool should have got it. Mm. Well, I, I think when we don't know the judging criteria and our three-minute search didn't find it for us, no. uh, you know, it's kind of hard to compare. And there were points allocated, but we don't know how the points were allocated. Mm. And I suppose this is far more difficult than any other sport because in football you can say how many goals did they score, how many defences, yep. whatnot. Yep. It's a lot harder to compare in cycling. <laughs> Merksy. 
Scott, you mentioned uh, one L Armstrong won it a few times. He did. He won it multiple times. Um, yeah. Is there an yeah. asterisk oh, next yeah, to his name? Yeah, there's lots of asterisks there. Um, they've actually put him into uh, the French cartoon series, Asterix, because um, he has so many. But, um, yeah, it's it's very subjective, especially with cycling. Um, look, Jonas is the winner of the Tour de France, okay? So, yeah, it's hard to say that he's not the best, but, gee, you can really have that debate. You can I don't know. I mean, is then that just like a kudos to the PR department at ASO? Like that if you win the Tour, you're the best cyclist? Yeah. of the year, even though there's all these other things? Is it just the juggernaut that we're getting caught up in? Yeah. Oh, no, totally. Yeah, I, I don't would not disagree with that. I think ASO, um, as big as the tour has become, and, and bear with me with this, the tour has been so detrimental to so much of cycling because it has become so big and overreaching. The UCI used to have some power and control of the sport. They don't anymore. ASO is by far the most powerful entity in the sport because the Tour de France is so big and so popular and it hurts other parts of the sport. Now that's clickbait right there. I mean, I think that's a bigger topic to discuss. Hmm. But you're right. You know, every race has impacts and, you know, we're seeing it even with Tour de France femme that a athlete may have to choose between doing the Tour de France or doing the Olympics. Hmm. And that they would actually pause and think about that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, the, the women's road race at the Olympic Games has always been the biggest thing for women's cycling. ASO have come in now with the tour the last couple of years and very quickly because of their global reach, you could sort of debate whether it's going to be more important, like the men's sort of France is more important you would say, mm. than winning the Olympic road well, race. Look, there's a difference. The currency difference is within the sport, maybe not. But once you've retired, mm. then it doesn't matter how many of the other races you've won. People would, you know, people outside of the sport will not have heard of a lot of them, but everybody's heard of the Tour de France. Mm. So it carries that currency. I wonder if that'll be the same with, because we're talking about the Tour de Femme. So if you mm. say to people, oh, I was a professional rider, I rode the Tour de Femme, I think... At the moment, at least, a lot of people, what's what's that? Oh, Tour de France is different. You, yeah, but that would still, I mean, I get asked, I still get asked all the time, oh, did you ride the Tour de France? Yeah, same here, same um, here. Why, did we, why is there a difference? Why isn't it just the Tour de France for the women? Just call it the Tour de France. Well, there's the Giro d'Italia women <laughs> Yeah, but, but <laughs> instead of the Giro Rosa. Mm. Yeah, because if you, if you say Tour de France um, and Demi following, you know that that was then the women's race. Mm. So why do we have to call it something different? Oh, you should come into the bunker more often because Joel and I are very often getting our cranky pants on about ah. uh, about this sort of <laughs> stuff. Well, you have to normalise it. You have to normalise the conversation. So and we get this in commentary. I can't say in commentary, um, or for example, if people have normal conversation about, say, women's cycling and say, um, surprisingly, the race was really interesting today. Or <laughs> actually, actually, the women's race was really interesting. You know, and just that word actually is basically saying that, well, I didn't think it was going to be, but I was surprised that it was. Are you saying, because if you said that in commentary next to me, I'd probably whack you. Is that why, it's not why you don't? No, 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 no. <laughs> but yeah, and, and look, there are men's races that are boring. Some of the Tour de France stages, let's be honest, there were, well, this year's tour was amazing. I can't remember which stage it was. It was one, might have been the first or second pure sprint stage. They did nothing. Remember that stage when there was a breakaway. Three guys got off the front. Two of them were told to go back to the peloton and left one guy out there. I can't remember who he is now. 
how boring is that? Yeah, it's, that it's, even their teams are saying, no, 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 this is not going to work. Just come back to the peloton and just let this fade to nothing. That was so boring. The last five Ks was interesting. That was it. And we can say that about the men's, no one will complain. But if you said that about the women's, you're in big, big trouble. But the men's races can be as boring sometimes. Well, equal well, treatment. Sorry, that, that sounded terrible. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't come out Let's right. Let's try again. We, I promise not to clickbait that, yeah. uh, no, kind of. Some of the men's racing <laughs> can be very boring. Yes. So, but we don't talk about it. We just, oh, move on. Like the day before was really interesting. But we seem to focus on if there's less action in the women's race, then we'll focus on the fact that there wasn't enough action. But we won't do the same when we're talking about the men's. Mm. It's a good point. Now, while we've got our kind of cranky pants on mm. and while we're talking about uh, fans and engaging um, audiences, do you know one of the most popular, of course you know the answer to this, one of the most popular sports at the Olympics for viewers to watch and globally, but specifically in Australia, number one is swimming. Mm. Number two is athletics. Number three, what comes in at number three, Scott McGrory? Um, is it ding da ding? Cycling, track cycling, not just oh, cycling, yeah. track cycling. Okay. Right, so all of these Olympic sports. It's the commentary. People, People love listening to it. <laughs> Do you think that's what it is? <laughs> it's us, Scott. It's us. Um, our pleasure. Aside from us. It was so boring before us. <laughs> even before us, I think people watch, but they've got even more reason to watch now. Now, when it is such a popular sport for people to tune into uh, Olympic Games, it shows people, and it's also ticket sales. It's one of the first sold out. Why are we not seeing it in between? Hmm. Uh, this week, we've seen the kickoff of uh, the Track Champions League um, for the season. Um Chris Hoy has come out, though, with his cranky pants on, and he has said, why uh, why is media not getting on this? Why are more people not watching, and why aren't people wanting to broadcast it more when it's such a good product? So, Scott McGrory, you can't tell me it's just that you and I aren't commentating. There's got to be something else. Well, we're not commentating, are we? <laughs> so, um, um, go back to ASO, you know, the, the Tour de France. That's everybody knows the Tour de France. Everyone talks about cycling. It comes down to the tour every July. It has become so big that it also has affected track cycling. You know, it's not the only issue, but when one part of the sport becomes so big that everyone focuses on that, you just forget about everything else. And this is where the UCI, I think, have dropped the ball. They've had the they're now called Nations Cups. Uh, they used to be World Cups. So you have you know the thing that they can really hang their hat on has changed so many times. It was a European summer discipline, then it went to the European winter and it's been moved around. They've tried all these different things and yet here we are talking about why track cycling is not getting the reach it, that it should. It deserves a smack yeah. on the gavel. It's very frustrating. Um, for the athletes though, it's pretty important, right? Like the mm. Champions League is a bit of a new format. It's not necessarily Olympic events, uh, but it's still really great for the athletes to prepare for uh, Paris and to even make it a viable career option because they're paid pretty well, aren't they? Yeah, they are. There's there's some good money to it, which is why they're, they're so keen on doing it. This is typically a, tr a training phase that they're in now, but all of the, the good guys, you know, our Matthew Richardson from Australia, um, Harry Leverson from the Netherlands, these are the, the type of riders that are doing it. So they're willing to compromise their training phase to go and do these races. So clearly they're getting... Um, well paid, which is great. Um, the only real pure form of, you know, high paid track cycling is in Japan with the Kirins, which no one can really get access to. So, you know, take that off the table. But, um, you know, it's good entertainment. 
Now, for the the, the pure sprinters, um, and look, maybe some of the, the the track endurance guys as well, they don't get enough racing. Okay, so I think this format, in you know, at the very basic level, it's a good training exercise because they get to race against each other under high pressure situations. They normally, if you do the World Cups there or Track Nations Cups, there are three of those. You know, throw in a national championship, which is a little bit less pressure. Um, and then you get to the World Championships, the Olympics. That's not a lot of super high-pressure competition. So having these events as well, I think it's great for them to get that experience because all of these athletes have got huge power. They know how to train hard, but not all of them are that smart when it comes to tactics. And this is where they can learn that. Mm. And uh, Merxy? It's a bit more rock and roll too. Lighting and music. It's like these six-day events. Yeah, they're trying to make it sexy, that's for sure. Yeah. Short format. That's why there's lots of sprinting in it as well, which the other side is, well, we need some, where's the endurance stuff, the proper endurance stuff? Um, so there, I know there is a bit of a discussion about there is just, it's too sprint orientated, but I think the people that are running the program, that's all they see. They just want short, sharp, fast. Mm. Yeah. I want to see it back on the television. I mean, maybe... Maybe they need us to pitch for commentary, Scott. Do you think that's that's the issue? Ah, uh, well, they have good, they have good commentators. Yeah, um, well, just call the wheelhouse, Rob, Rob. If you're listening, you're doing a great job. <laughs> yes, um, we we value you, Rob. Yeah. Uh, we just think that Scott and I, you know, sitting alongside you would make an even better combo. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, and look, there's a whole conversation there, isn't there, about um, about com- commentary, commentating as well, and um, you know, look, I, I know cycling is one of those sports where. And you've got your difference. So you've got your lead commentator, you've got your expert commentator beside them who was an ex-athlete. But if your lead commentator was also an ex-athlete that can do the lead job well, um, and if you look at football or some of these other sports, AFL here, NRL as well, um, we tend to use in cycling non-ex-athletes often Mm. compared to some of the other big sports. And I think the reason for that is because the people behind the scenes, the producers, directors, they just don't know the sport that well. So they don't see the need. Whereas if you took someone that didn't really know the sport and put them into AFL commentary or NRL commentary or cricket, everyone behind the scenes putting together within the production team, they would all know more than that person and call them out straight away. So, you know, we can't have this guy doing it. He doesn't even know the sport. But those people don't know cycling enough to have that same opinion. Mm. It's, a, it's a big topic you're starting to peel back. Mm. Um, you're listening to the wheelhouse. You told me to be controversial. I did. Is this, is this all right? I did. I, oh, okay. I told you to speak your mind. Okay. Can I swear? I you just, want me to swear as well? Well, you can, but there's a swear jar. Oh, is it? Joel's okay. dropped a few F-bombs. Um, you're listening to the wheelhouse. I'm Catherine Bates. We've got Scott McGrory in the studio. Hasn't dropped an F-bomb yet. What number episode is this, Kate? Number 66. Scott? On the day of my parents' 66th wedding anniversary. Stop it. No. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we all, I, I posted today that, you know, we all wish that um, our loving father was still around to give mum a hug today. Yes, indeed. Well, yeah. I hope that you're able to um, to give her a big hug, Scott. Oh, she'd just slap me if I tried. <laughs> Pretty tough, my well, mum. Episode 66, 66 years ago, your parents got married. Mm, yep. What a day. I'll, I'll, one brief story, nothing to do with cycling, but um, there's a couple of classic stories from my mum back in the day. And, and we, I was born basically on a dairy farm. Um, one of the stories that mum popped up with last year was that her cousin, um, and a bit of tough love compared to today, right, in this woke world we live in, uh, her cousin, when she was a little kid, if he got in trouble, um, his dad would put him in a Hessian bag 
tie it up and put him in the corner of the paddock. Right. Yeah. Okay. That, that was yeah, his punishment. Yep. yep. Okay. And the other one was tie him to the clothesline and basically put a chaff bag around his neck with a loaf of bread, half a loaf of bread in it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's not allowed anymore. Isn't it? No, no. Oh. There's a little department, Child Protective Services, yeah. <laughs> that it, would... Uh, it was a different time. It was a different time. And I'm just glad that being born on a dairy farm, I thought you were going to call your darling mother a cow. Oh, no. Scott. I no. thought you were going to do that. No, and I was I'm, going to have to... I'm not going to do that again. Smack you with... <laughs> again. All right. Now, before I let you go, you have come... You are in Queensland because you have been uh, on the Sunshine Coast. Mm-hmm. How was the NRS? It was Cycle Sunshine Coast? Cycle Sunshine Coast, yep. Thanks to the university, the Sunshine Coast, big uh, supporters, ARA cycling team, well connected with all of that. And it was Matt Wilson that uh, came up with the idea to put the event on and the council up there, Maruchi Dor and Sunshine Coast Council, great job of putting the event on. Um, And... Look, we've got one more round of the National Road Series to come, Tour of Tasmania. It's always a, a well-run event, new organiser this year. So the previous event uh, company, GTR Events, that I used to work with, they're not doing any cycling anymore, which is really unfortunate. But uh, new organiser, really enthusiastic Tasmanian lady that's going to be putting it all together. But the question, of course, is where's the NRS at? Where's the National Road Series at? And it's not quite get out the defibrillator but it's not far off. It's, it's, it's almost, really struggling. I mean, aside from the events themselves struggling to get up, and there's a multitude of factors, not least cost and including the cost of yeah. police and road closures and all that sort of stuff, but putting that aside just for a moment, is it still a really good breeding ground for our talent? Like, what did you see on the Sunshine Coast? Did you get a bit of a sparkle in your eyes watching some of the performances? Um, yeah, I did. I did. And, and you talk about a pathway. It's the only pathway Mm. so if you get into a club here and you do some club racing the next step is just to go and do a national road series event so it is really the only pathway unless you want to take the big commitment and you know head to europe or maybe america america the u.s used to be more of a pathway it's not so much anymore because they're struggling over there as well so it's really europe so i think this is the only pathway we pathway we have um it's an important one um and you know, if you look at the women's peloton, we had uh, Mackenzie Coupland, under-19 rider, second in the hilltop time trial, super aggressive, attacking all the time, one of the few riders that was able to go with you know, Ruth Corset and some of the best climbers on the hills. It's the only way they can get exposure for these young riders to come through. So, yeah, there's plenty of talent. Um, it's, just, it's just hurting. You know, the series is really hurting, and, and we need... Uh, some kind of life support to try and keep it going. And it's not just money. There's other things that we could be doing behind the scenes with with the government, with each state government, with the Minister of Police perhaps, to try and somehow alleviate some of the cost to having the police. New South Wales has one uh, one road race, Grafton Inverell. There's no multi-stage races at all in New South Wales, and it's the cost of having the police uh, to be involved for a safety element. You have to have the police there to do proper rolling closures. And it's too expensive. Well, we don't want to lose all of the events with tradition in Australia. My dad uh, podiumed at the Grafton to Inferil back in the day, uh, and he won a TV, a black and white TV in an orange casing um, that I'll never forget. And uh, it was so valued by him at the time. Like, it was quite romantic back then, you know. It was like a bit of a rock star thing. I think we've lost... 
uh, that a little bit domestically with our cycling. Was it a pull the button, like pull button on and click, click, click to change channels? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Proper um, old school. And then we used to watch him run the city to surf mm. when he ran the city to surf, watch it on this black and white television. Um, so the, yeah. the good yeah, old days. But, you know, that's that's when cycling, like they won TVs, they won all these sorts of prizes because it was a little bit more aligned to the community and it was – uh, I think we've lost a bit of that connection as well. We have. And look, you can get all nostalgic and go way back and, and say, look, the <laughs> back in our day. The, the Austral Wheel Race, you know, when it was held at the MCG, I think one of the prizes was a grand piano, but then the cash amount would have bought you a house back, wow. in, back in that day as well. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're, we're a fair way from buying a house with the prize money Especially, from the Austral that's coming up. Especially if in a you want to buy in a major capital city in Australia. Yeah. yeah. Not even one of those little, you know, those tiny houses that go on the trailer. No. Not even one of those. Hey, you but you know what? To. You know who can? Garrett Thomas. Five mil a year, yes. Scott. Yeah. Might, he he yeah. can buy a couple. I could ask him for a loan. I Just reckon. even for a caravan. Buy a Jayco. <laughs> we could buy a Jayco with Garrett's money. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And probably fund the women's team at the same time. I actually um, I spoke to so Jerry Ryan from from Jayco Caravans years ago. I said to him, "Look, my ex-wife was keen to buy a caravan." He said, "No, nah, don't worry about it. Look, just tell me when you want to go on a camping trip, and you know, just borrow one. Just make sure it comes back clean." Oh, okay. All right, that'll save us some money. Never took him up on it, though, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. that's um, Well, let's go. They do the hire caravans. Anyway, Scott, it's been wonderful to have you here in the bunker. Um, episode 66 of The Wheelhouse. Um, was it okay? Like, do you think you'll come back? I didn't put too yeah. many hard questions to you. No, no, you went soft, actually. Oh, hang on. Here's, here comes a tough one. Uh, Scott, you're our first returning guest. Oh, yes. We appreciate it. Mm. That's all right. That's all right, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank it, you. you just letting everyone know, Kate has some some pretty compromising photos of me, so that's why I'm back. Um, but yeah, 66, happy 66th, and, and happy anniversary to my mum and dad. Yes, indeed. All right, well, we'll see you. We'll see you next week. Absolutely. Hear you next week. <laughs> you held that gavel for quite a long time. I did. I thought she was going to hit me with it. <laughs>